just to get us started, um, I brought something, and uh, it, it may not look like much, uh, but I brought something. And uh, yep, uh, under all this crumpled pieces of paper is, whoa, it's falling apart, that's okay, uh, is, uh, is the plans to the house that I'm building. Uh, and uh, for those who uh, maybe don't follow us on Facebook and, and, and get, and get uh, Kim's uh, endless updates, uh, literally every time, you know, every time a doorknob is turned, it's woo! Right, uh, but in case you don't get that, um, I, my wife and I are currently in the stages of building our home, and uh, and our hope, and uh, man, we are praying about this. Is that uh, we'll we'll be moving in sometime mid June, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, don't get me wrong, my my mother is a great woman, but no man ever goes to marries his wife and says, "Honey." At some point, we're moving back in with mom. Uh, you know, that, that's just not the manly thing to do. But right now, we're living with my mom and, uh, and uh, as our house is being built. But these are the plans. And, and, and it's really cool because I've never been a part of a process like this. I've never really been around, uh, been around construction, per se. But in all these plans, and I've had fun with, with looking through each individual page, uh, which has uh, everything from ceiling plans to, to how it's going to be studded up to, you know, where's the bathroom going to go? And, and it's been really cool. Um, and the bedroom as well, it's been really cool because uh, um, we, we've been able to look and make, and make adjustments as necessary. You know, like my wife and I will look at it and say, hey, that's kind of a small deck, so let's get a big one. And, uh, and so we've been doing that. And, and uh, you know, at one point there was a place where there's supposed to be a big wall that kind of separated the kitchen and, and the um, the living room, and we kind of said, wait a minute, we don't want that because we're going to have people over uh, watching the Bulldogs play, and we got to have a big open space, uh, and uh, because, you know, we just do, because there's a lot of Bulldog fans, and if you're not a Bulldog fan, well, you're not invited. Uh, actually, actually, you are invited, and we'll just, we'll just point our finger at you and say, ha, 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 you're losing right now. Um, that's right. Oh, oh we got an FSU fan. Well, hey, y'all are the champs, man, so I'm a, as long as y'all are the champs, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. You're, 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 your quarterback's in trouble, man. All right, so anyway, so... <laughs> Um, so, uh, so there's all these plans for all this stuff. And I, I tell you, as I'm, as I'm looking through this, one of the most, uh, it's just, it's amazing to see how everything's kind of built upon one another and, and, uh, what goes where and everything else. And, but one of the most, uh, I think overlooked pages and, and some would even almost consider it to be boring, uh, is that there's a entire page and, and maybe it's this one. I don't know, uh, that there is a page that is dedicated to how the foundation is going to be built how the foundation is. And it's amazing how when we began to build our house after the land was cleared, that was the one page that the builder went to first. He wanted to know how this house was going to be built and what foundation it was going to be on. Because he knew something and we, we chose to build on a crawl space. And I know there's slabs, I know there's basements, everything else. He knew something when he began to look at these plans, and that was if he didn't get the foundation right, if he didn't get that right, if, if the foundation that he built was tilted, uh, if it was unstable, uh, if it was uh, not balanced, he knew that if he didn't get that just right, with just the right measurements, at just the right angle, if the foundation wasn't perfect at some point, whether sooner or later, everything that was built upon that foundation was going to crumble. He knew it. And so I watched our builder, after the land was cleared, take great, great, great care to make sure that foundation was perfect. Now, he's taking great care on all the other areas as well. But that foundation had to be right and it had to be good. 
And I think that's important for us today because as I began to really pray and plan for what I would speak today, as we go from the natural to the spiritual, we've got to understand that there is a foundation with which we have built our faith upon. There is a foundational truth that if we don't get right as Christians and we don't understand, it doesn't matter what other truths we build upon it, at some point, sooner or later, we are destined to have our spiritual house crumble. So today I'm going to talk to you about foundations. What should be our foundation? What should be the one thing that everything else is built upon? And the reason why I bring that up and this whole message came, kind of came to light from something that happened from kind of a program or a presentation that I witnessed a little while ago. It was not in our church. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. It wasn't in our church or whatever, so I'm not saying that. But I was, I was at this program. I'm not even going to say what it was. I was at this program. And at the end of this program and in the audience were parents, including me and Kim, were parents who both were Christians and would call themselves Christians and actively involved in church. But there were also parents who weren't necessarily actively involved in church, and they wouldn't necessarily call themselves Christians. It was a mix at this program that we went to. And so there came a time at the end of this program that we went to that the, that the director of the program stood up, and he was about to give his pitch. He was, and you could tell he was a little bit uncomfortable because he didn't really know the people, but there came a time that he got up, and he was about to do the whole thing of why you should be a Christian, because he knew that there was, he knew that in the audience there were people who were Christians and not. And so there came a time, so he, he gets up there, and you, you could tell he's kind of awkward a little bit, and I'm not dogging on the guy or whatever, I'm just reporting the news, you know, I mean, he seemed like an okay guy, but he kind of fumbled it, and how he presented Christianity was this. This was his one chance. He may never see these people again. And the one thing he said was, hey, parents, I'm going to heaven one day. And I want you to join me in heaven too. And if you know, if you were to die today and heaven is not your destination, I want you to come talk to me afterwards because I want us, I, I want to see you where I'm going when I die. The end. And I'm not dogging the guy. I'm not. Please don't think I'm being overly critical of him. But that whole conversation got me thinking about, wait a minute, this was his one chance to present what Christianity is all about. He talked about heaven. Is heaven important? Yes, absolutely. Is it the foundation? And today, I know that there are people here that come from all walks of life. Maybe you've grown up in church your entire life and you've still continued, you've, you've been in church all your life. Maybe you were in church as a child and things happened and you fell away from it and you're just starting to go back. Maybe you were in church and then something big, some sort of big hurt happened and now you've come and you're just checking it out. Maybe you've never been to church your entire life and you're just checking out because maybe there's, there's a friend who invited you. Maybe you would sort of consider yourself a Christian, but you're not quite sure. Maybe there's questions, and you're here today with those questions, wanting to try to get them answered, but at the same time really hoping that you don't get judged because you have questions. I know that there's a lot of people today, 
And as I begin to pray, this is my one shot to present to you what's the foundation. What is priority number one? Because the more and more I research this, the more and more I realize that at times, I'm sorry, I'm very sorry, but as ministers of the gospel, we have presented things that are secondary priorities. Are they true? Yes, but they are secondary priorities, but we present them as if they're the foundation. Today, it is my goal and my prayer and my desire that you leave knowing what are secondary things, but most importantly, what the foundation is. Because if you leave today and you've got your foundation right, you can build any other truth upon it and it's going to stand. So I'm hoping, and I'm, I'm going to try to maybe point out some, some corrections and errors because again, and these are things that and I look back in my past or whatever that I maybe even presented Christianity as. But we're going to go through what are first priorities and what are, what are not. And then I'm going to tie it all together. Let me pray for us. I pray you would just open your hearts to hear the gospel. God, thank you so much for t today, God. I ask that you would just move in this service. I pray, God, that you would do what I cannot. I am fully aware of my position, and my position is I cannot do anything. Oh, but with you, oh God, all things are possible. So I ask today, God, more, first and foremost, I ask that you would receive glory. I pray that people today would leave here singing your praises and singing about who you are and what you've done. I pray that your son will be honored. I'm, I'm hanging and standing on the promise that you said, Jesus Christ, that if, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And so today it's my desire to do that. Help me teach truth in your name. Amen. Number one, and I'm going to go through a list of things which are, yes, they're true, but they're not the foundation, but sometimes they're presented as the foundation, especially for those who are maybe considering what Christianity is about. The first thing, and I've already mentioned this in my opening story, but eternity is not priority number one. Eternity is not priority number one. Now let me just say this, is it a priority? Yes. Is it true? Yes, absolutely. There are specific promises in scriptures that God has given us that absolutely tell us that there is an eternity. There is. First of all, John 14, two through four, Jesus Christ said this. He said, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. Second Corinthians 5.1 says this. It says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. So eternity matters. There is a heaven, a real heaven, that those who have accepted, accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will go, and there is a real hell. There is. There's scriptures to back it up. But is that our foundation? Is that the one truth that we can build everything else on? The problem is it's not. And the reason why is because if eternity was priority number one, then what we do with our lives here on this earth doesn't matter. 
I'm talking about foundation. Yes, eternity's true. But here's what we do. At times, as ministers of the gospel, and I can be guilty of this, at times we are guilty of presenting a secondary priority as truth. And even though it's true, it may not be the foundation with which you can build everything on. How many people have seen the billboards and crossed by them that said, heaven or hell, your choice? You could have put anything on a billboard to explain how good God is, and that's what you put. Is that true, heaven or hell, your choice? Yes, it is. But is that the one foundational truth that we can build everything on? No, it's not. It's a promise. But just like in my house, everything else has to be built on a foundation. It's not the foundation. Because if it were the foundation, then what we do here on this earth doesn't matter. If that were the one foundational truth, as soon as we all agree, yes, I, Jesus Christ, you're my Lord and Savior, you're my God, as soon as, the, as soon as we said that, we would be instantly taken up to heaven because God was ready to meet with us right then. But instead, he, he leaves us here on this earth. We have things that we are called to do here on this earth. What we do as Christians, what we do on this earth matters. This life matters. It does. And I've been in so many services where, where the Christianity sales pitch is this. Instead of talking about the true foundational truth, the sales pitch is, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Is that a true statement? Yes. Is there a greater foundational truth than that? Yes. See, I grew up in the 80s. I was a child of the 80s, born in 80, 1981. And I have specific memories, and I laugh at them now, maybe you do too. I have specific memories of some of the scare tactics that were used for children uh, in order to, uh, to become a Christian. I never will forget one of the biggest ones. There was a movie out, and it was called, uh, I'm pretty sure it's called Hell's Bells. Anybody ever seen Hell's Bells? You know what I'm talking about? All right, and I think this is one. I think this is it. I think it is. I may have the wrong title, but anyway, I know it is. And what they did is, there was this whole thing about how, you know, rock music is wrong and bad and everything else. And what they did is they had two lab rats and they put them both in a maze. And, uh, and then and, and, and in one maze, you know, they put a lab rat playing Christian music. And it's amazing how the lab rat was able to go and find the cheese. Woo, good job. But then on the other one, on the other maze, you know, the, the, they put the lab rat in and they were playing Metallica. And next thing you know, I mean, the lab rat not only can't, it can't find his way, but it starts just banging his head against the wall and the point is dead, right? You know, and then, and then after that, you know, there's all this other stuff. And then, and then, you know, and then some guy gets up there and says, if you don't want to go to hell tonight, come on and accept Jesus. And I'm like, okay, because I don't want to be the lab rat. All right. <laughs> I wish I could say that that experience brought true change. Uh, it kind of didn't. Uh, I, I specifically remember when I got in trouble in fifth grade because my principal uh, got, uh, my principal got, uh, caught me uh, cursing. Right, I, I, I was big and bad and thought I'd use a cuss word every now and then. My principal caught it. The only problem is my grandmother was a substitute teacher at the, at the school. And so his whole thing was, he goes, I'm going to tell you, Grandma. I'm going to tell you, Grandma. I'm like, oh, Lord. And so that night they showed the whole thing of, you know, you know where are you going to go? And so I, I, I made a deal with God. I'm like, Jesus, you know, yes, I, 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 I want to go to heaven. But at the same time, if you would please make sure that he don't tell my grandma, I will not curse ever again. Right? That was my deal. And it worked for about a year. And then I got to middle school and yeah, it didn't, it didn't stick. Right? But 
It's amazing how that's how we're presented. And yes, don't get me wrong, please don't leave here think, you know, thinking that I'm trying to suggest that there's not a heaven, there's not a hell or whatever. No, that's not it at all. But if that's our sales pitch, what we're saying is you can do whatever you want to as long as you make it right. At the last minute, you're good. And that's true too, but then we're saying this life doesn't matter. And this life matters. What we do in this life matters. So there has to be a greater foundational truth. Second one, blessings are not priority number one. Blessings are not priority number one. Yes, God provides us incredible blessings. He provides us with protection. He, prov he provides us with uh, providence. He provides us with, uh, he goes before us. There are times he provides us with financial blessings. There are times he provides us with spiritual blessing. There are times that he provides us with, uh, with uh, 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 health blessings. All those things are true, and every single one of them comes from him. In fact, Ephesians 1.3 says, praise be to God. And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. So does God bless us? Yes, he does. That is a truth that he blesses us. Is the fact that he blesses us the foundational truth with which we can build everything else? No. And here's the reason why. If blessings was priority number one, then we would have no answer to why we suffer here on this earth. Some of you, and you just heard me say it, God blesses us, he does. But some of you maybe at some point in your life have been fed this extreme doctrine that if, you all, if all you have to do is just follow God and everything will work and you'll hear phrases such as, well, you're, you're, you know, you're the head, not the tail. And you're never meant to lose. You're always meant to come out on top, right? And, and, and you'll have people that'll come up and say, hey, it is your will to, to, to you know, it's God's will to, to never have you, have, you, have you struggle financially. And usually what the people want when they say that is that they can show you the secrets of how to be financially successful if you give them money and plant a seed. Be careful of those, by the way. And the truth is, that God blesses us, but if that's our foundational truth, so many times I've seen people that have built their Christian experience and have built their faith around that only to have hard times come and everything fall away. John 16, says this, in this world, you will have trouble, but fear not, I've overcome the world. Could we please exchange our American Christianity for the truth of what God says. There are going to be times that you are going to have incredible blessing more than you could ever imagine. But there are going to be times that you're going to have sorrow more than you could ever imagine. But the promise is that the promise wasn't that he would keep us from it. The promise was that he walked through it with us all, every part of it. But the promise, What's sad is when you see people who they build their life around that foundational truth and then when it doesn't come through and they experience the hardships, not if but when, everything crumbles. 
And maybe there are people here today that when the hardships came and someone did something to you that they weren't supposed to, the hardship came that wasn't supposed to happen, right? That thing happened to you that, and, and as unfortunate as it was and you didn't see coming, as soon as that happened, your faith crumbled, gone. You, I've, I've known people that because this have left the faith, left churches, everything else, all because God didn't bless them how they thought they were going to be blessed. Does God bless? Yes. But he gets to choose what it is. And there are times in our lives that God asks us to go through things that we don't understand, but yet he wants us to endure. He asks us to grow through. He asks us to learn from. He asks us to go through something to be reminded that this place is not our home. He asks us at times to go through things strictly just because we're able to go to relate to someone else who's going through the same thing. I do not know why. I have no explanation to why in the middle of my two children, Madison and Davis, we lost two kids. Have no idea why. Can't explain it. Well, are you saying, Drew, that God's not good? Mm-mm. No, 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 no. I'm saying that the Bible's very clear about what sin does. Sin has brought death into this world. And that there are times God allows things to go through our lives. And he asks us to endure. But isn't it amazing how ever since that happened, with losing two children, how countless people have been placed in my life that I didn't seek out. And they're going through the same thing. And my wife and I are able to comfort them. Some of us, we're very frustrated with God right now because we've built our foundation on something that was true but should have never been the foundation. Number three, church. Church is not priority number one. Church is not priority number one. Church is important. It is. Ephesians 1, 22 through 23 says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Talking about Jesus. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It's amazing how we are flooded with advertisements, whether it's on TV, whether it's on social media, whether it's on billboards, about a church. And don't get me wrong, I think it's great to advertise. I do. People need to know that you're there and that you exist. I'm not taking this to an extreme where I'm like, wow, don't ever spend a dime on advertising. That's okay. But we live in a culture where if people are going to talk to you about anything when it comes to Christianity, at times they're going to talk to you more about their church. My church is doing this. You should come see us at this church. The church alive is worth the drive, so why don't you drive to us? Right? And the church is a good thing. It is. I believe in the local church. You, if you talk to me more than five minutes outside of this place or whatever, you're fine. I'm not, I'm not a church basher. Obviously I'm not. I work in one. Right? I love our local church. Love Christ Chapel. Love what I get to do. Love that, that in a couple of weeks I get to take a bunch of teens down to Panama City. Love it. I love the fact that I get to stand on this platform and do this. I love it. I do. I love our local church. I love the people in it. The problem is the church is not perfect. And the church is full of people and pastors and teachers 
and friends who are not perfect. And I cannot tell you the amount of people at times that I've talked to that put the church as their foundation, and when the church or the pastor or the preacher or someone else let them down and had that failure, they just wrote off Christianity. I'll never go back again. I'll never do that. Does that excuse what they've done to you and to others? No, not at all. But it also doesn't excuse the fact that maybe some of us have put expectations on the church and on people in the church that they were never supposed to be placed on them. The people in the church, yes, your leaders in the church should be held to a higher standard, but they're not God. The church is not God. And the people that get hurt, they have an experience where they get hurt in a church and it takes them years to come back and everything else. I'm not, diminish, I'm not diminishing your hurt. What I'm saying is that that was never supposed to be your foundation. I've seen those things happen. Nowhere local, nowhere local. So don't, don't think I'm talking about anybody local. You don't even know who these people are. But I've been a part of the church where the pastor ran off with another woman and embezzled money. Church found out about it. Church didn't in there anymore. Nowhere local. I've been there. But you know what? I realized the truth even, even through that, that God doesn't condone that. That's not his plan. He doesn't smile on that. But the church isn't my hope. The church isn't found my foundational belief. And if that church or this church or whoever's in it were to fall away, it's unfortunate. I'm going to mourn it. It's not my foundation. It's not. It's not supposed to be your foundation. God's plan and purpose for your life is not priority number one. God's plan and purpose for your life is not priority number one. We just celebrated graduations. And every graduation, I see plastered everywhere. And it's a good verse. Don't get me wrong. It is. Jeremiah 29, 11. Where God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That is a great verse. That is a true verse. That is a verse that you can absolutely hold on to when things go wrong, that God's not going to leave you hanging. Love it. Is that the foundational truth that you can build your life upon? No. Why? Because if this truth was the number one priority, then you would have your whole spiritual experience revolve around you and then you would choose the path of least resistance. I know I would. If my whole experience revolved around just the plans that God had for me, forget about the plans that he's got for others, it would revolve around me. I would be, I would be the son, and everything else, including God, would revolve around me. You're right, I'm that selfish. I know you're not, I am. I am. And oh, I would make sure that my journey on this life, man, it'd be so easy. I mean, I might have a couple of rough days where I have to get up, you know, past 10 o'clock. Whew, rough day. Right? You know, I, I, might, I might have a couple of days where, you know, the kids, you know, they sleep till 11, go to bed at 5 o'clock, and they say, Mommy and Daddy, hey, tuck yourselves in. Y'all go, I, I, we're going to tuck ourselves in. Y'all go on a date. Thank you, Madison and Davis. Love you. That would be my life. I, that's what I would choose. But the truth is, is that God takes us through situations and through places 
that we would never ask for. He's taken me through times that are harder than what I ever would have asked for. But I've learned more and I've grown more during those times than I ever would have on my own. He's also taken me through times that have been more beautiful and have been more of a mountaintop experience than I could have ever even dreamed for myself. He never allows me to live in one or the other. Because if I live on the mountaintop, I get too prideful and think, think, well, hey, this happened because I'm the man. But he never lets me live in this area either to where I get so discouraged I want to walk away. It's always in between. But the beauty is, is that no matter where I am and no matter where he has me, that's not my foundation. I don't build my foundation on that. And I'll see people who life and God will throw them a curveball that, that, they, that they didn't plan on, and they just go to pieces. That was never supposed to be your foundation. And some of you may be sitting here going, well, Drew, that's easy for you to say. I see you right here building a home. Mm-hmm. Yep. I am not ashamed. I'm in a season of my life over here. God's blessed me. Something unexpected. Something unexpected. But see, the last three to, three to five years have been a season where I didn't expect things, or I, I didn't expect things, and they were hard, and I've lost homes. My wife has lost a business. All those things. Because see, for me, the home isn't the thing. Because tomorrow, a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, God could say, give it up. Do something else. But the truth is, that's why I don't make the plans my foundation. Because you never know what's going to happen. Yesterday, I attended, uh, actually presided over my first funeral. Um, I wish it would have been under better circumstances, but it was my grandmother. And my mom asked if I would speak at it, and I did. And that's my first ever funeral, and I didn't, I didn't see it coming. I know she was older. She was 93. She's lived a great life, but no one wants to see that happen. I didn't, we didn't plan on it being so quick. Literally, we got a call Tuesday night, and Wednesday she had passed. Who is it in here that you've built your life around God's plans being good, and they are, but then when the, when the curveball comes, you just lost everything. Or you've seen that happen to someone else and you've decided to yourself, well, that's how God is. I'm not going to follow him. Whether you have God in your life or not, you're going to have curveballs in your life. It just depends on who you look to for your source of strength. That's why his plans for you can't be your foundation. Here's the last one. Friendship and relationship with God it's not priority number one. What? I'm about to walk out, Drew. How dare you? Because I can quote scriptures right now about how Abraham was the friend of God. You're right. You're absolutely right. God desires a relationship with us. 
And I'm going to show you why in a second. But that cannot be the number one foundational belief by which we stand on. Is it true? Yeah. But here's the reason why it can't be the foundational truth. While God desires a relationship with us, if we make that priority number one, then shouldn't every road lead to him? And if that is true, then that means I can earn his friendship, right? Either I can earn it or I deserve it. Because if God wants to have a relationship with me and I make that the foundational truth that I build everything else on in my life, then I can get to him however I want to. I'm sorry, friend, if you're here and that's your belief. I've seen a lot of people travel this road. There's songs out now that pretty much say, well, we're all God's children, right? All roads don't lead to God. All roads don't fulfill that relationship with him. Are you correct in assuming that God wants a relationship that's real and personal with you? Mm-hmm. But be careful, because if you make that the foundational thing, you'll start making up all kind of ways for how, for how you're going to get there. And, we, and it usually falls into one, one or two categories. Either you'll find people that will say, well, okay, well, I'm good enough, so I deserve to have this relationship with God. I'm good enough. The only problem is you run into a scripture like Romans 3.10, which says there's no one righteous. No, not one. Not me. Not you. Or you'll run into people, especially religious people, that will tell you, well, I can earn it. I can do my good works. I can, I can volunteer. I can, I can be nice to people. I can make sure that when I'm frustrated, I don't talk behind people's backs too much, right? Or at least not more than other people. And so I can earn it because, you know, I haven't really done the bad things, right? But I've done somewhat the good things so I can earn it. God, I can earn my way to you. Here is my good works. The only problem with that is that once you start counting up the good things you've done and you compare it against who God is, it doesn't match up because he's perfect and none of us in here are. You can't earn it. There's no way that you could take all of your good works and present them to God and say, you should accept me now, right? Because I don't know about you, but there are times even when I do good things, I do it with the wrong motives. I do it with me in mind, not somebody else. I'm selfish. I am, very much so. And so when we talk about foundational things, does God desire a relationship with you? Sure. But be careful about how you get there. So Drew, here's what you're asking. Okay, you've already, you've already pointed all these things out which are not priority number one. So what is it? What is it? Ben, if you would come on up, please. I've waited all day. I'm going to show you this scripture. If you'll go and pull it up, it's found in Romans 5, 6 through 11. Romans 5, 6 through 11. And here's what it says. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Here is priority number one that you can build everything about your life about. That God provided a substitute for our sins so that we no longer had to feel shame. That is the foundation. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing in our life that would make us, make God say, oh, now they get it. It's that Christ Jesus died for sin. In that passage, there are a couple of clear statements that tell you how about God's number one priority for you. The first is that God, lo God loves. Verse five says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, he loves. And he loves when we were his enemy. He loves when we sin. He doesn't love sin, but he loves us in spite of it. Second thing is that sin is real and that it's a separator. I know we live in a universal world that I'm okay, you're okay, that there is no sin. If we're honest with ourselves though, when we lay awake at night or when we wake up in the morning and we feel that disconnect from God, we feel something's wrong, that's the separator. Verse five says, while we were still sinners, that's what sin does. If you go on to read the rest of that passage it, in Romans 5, it talks about how sin was brought in the world through one, one man, and it continues on to this day. It's a separator. Someone had to die to pay the penalty. Verse 9 in that passage says, Since we have now been justified by his blood, the problem with those other five things which are not priority, number one, is that in order to achieve them, no one had to die. But someone did have to die. For you to have access to God, someone had to die because there was a problem of sin. Because God loved us but our sin got in the way. Oh, and he spent the entire Old Testament trying to come up with a, with a sacrificial system that would mask sin, but wouldn't wash it away. And then in the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Whether you believe it or not, Jesus Christ was a real person. He wasn't just a teacher. He was more than a prophet. He was more than just a great leader. He was the substitute for our sins. And our shame has been removed for those who believe. Verse 10 said, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Jesus Christ dying for you 
and you put in your faith in him is the foundation for which everything can be built on. Jesus said this about himself. He said, I'm the cornerstone. That's how he referred to himself. I'm, I'm, I'm the chief cornerstone. He was so bold enough to say that of his life, everything else could be built upon it. And I'll show you, let's go through the five things that I've already mentioned that sometimes we think is priority number one, but it can't be our foundation. And notice how once we have the foundation in place, then we can build other truths on it. With Jesus Christ as our foundation, we can walk confidently in our friendship with God, knowing that we could never earn it, but that it's freely given. For those of you today who wake up every single morning and you you count the things that you've done wrong and measure it up, you don't have to do that anymore. Doesn't mean that we don't stop striving to be more like Christ, but you don't have to live in guilt and shame. Christ Jesus is the fulfillment of God's desire to have a relationship. That's the foundation you build that truth on. With Jesus Christ as our foundation, we can walk confidently into God's plan for our lives, knowing that even if it takes us to uncomfortable places, that there is nothing that we face here that Christ has not, has not already walked through. The Bible teaches us about Christ, that he was tempted in every way that we were, but did not sin. Whatever it is that you walked in through today, whatever curveball life gave you, You have someone who understands. That's why I think in Hebrews, they refer to Jesus Christ as your advocate. That means he's constantly going to God going, look at Lance. Look at your son who I died for. Look how he's going to make it. I know he may make mistakes, but that's why I died for it. So you could have friendship and that when things walk, when things go his way or don't go his way, he's still got me. With Jesus Christ as our foundation, we can enjoy the church for what it is instead of losing everything when it falters. Have you thought that maybe some of the people in the churches who have done you wrong, maybe they don't understand Jesus either? And that maybe there needs to be some forgiveness because if you compared what they did, and compared what you did, you're still both guilty compared to Jesus Christ. With Jesus Christ as our foundation, we can realize that we have the ultimate blessing of having our sins forgiven and are now in right standing with God. And every other blessing, whichever ones he choose, is just icing on the cake. How much would it free you to realize that every day that you have Jesus Christ in your life and in your heart, that is the most blessed day you ever live. And everything else that comes in, whether it's good or bad, you're still blessed. If I lose this house, if this house goes away, for whatever reason, I'm still blessed. That's hard to remember sometimes. I'm not gonna say it's easy, but I'm still blessed. And when Jesus Christ is our foundation, We can be thankful that eternity with him is certain for us, but that heaven has already come here on earth and now lives in our hearts. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to to experience it. It's available to you through faith in Jesus Christ.
Jesus Christ is the foundation with which every other spiritual truth can be built upon. So who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus Christ? Well, Hebrews 13.8 tells us that his essence has never changed. John 1.1 tells us that Jesus Christ is God. Colossians 1.16 tells us that Jesus is a, is a creator of everything. Matthew 28.18 says that Jesus is all-powerful. Colossians 2.3, he's all-knowing. Matthew 18.20, he's ever-present. Luke 1.35, he's holy. Isaiah 53.11, he's righteous. Zechariah 9.9, he's just. 1 Peter 2.22, he has no deceit. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he's sinless. 1 Peter 1.19, he's spotless. Matthew 27, 4, he's innocent. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29, he's gentle. Hebrews 2, 17, he's merciful. Luke 23, 34, he's forgiving. Mark 4, 2 through 6, he's worshiped by demons. Nine, uh, John 9, 38, he's worshiped by men. Hebrews 1, 6, he's worshiped by angels. Luke 24, 52, 24, 52, he's worshiped by his disciples. Uh, Revelation 7, 9 through 10, he's worshiped in heaven. Philippians 2, 10 through 11, he will receive worship from everyone. 1 Timothy 2, 5, he was just as human as you or I are. Uh, Luke 1, 34 through 35, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 2, 9 through 18, he took on man's nature. Philippians 2, 8, he humbled himself. Hebrews 5, 7, he was subject to human emotion. John 10, 18. Jesus raised his body from the dead. Ephesians 2, 13 through 16. His blood brings, brings reconciliation through God. And I got 20 more. The entire Bible screams about this Jesus Christ. That you can build everything on it. So for you today, I don't know why you walked in these doors today. Maybe you walked in checking out God. Maybe you walked in with some hurt. Maybe you walked in with some question. Maybe you walked in with some other truth being the foundation and it never should have been the foundation. Just because it's a good and true thing doesn't mean, it, doesn't mean it's supposed to be a foundational truth. Because if you build your life around Jesus Christ and his words and his word, everything else will fall into place. Can I ask you to do one favor for me? Would you be comfortable enough just to close your eyes so no one looks around? I can't, I can't preach on a message like this and not ask for some sort of response. And here's how I'm going to do it. You don't owe me nothing. You don't owe me anything. But if you would find yourself here today and say, Drew, I don't know why, but I realize I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you a chance to respond. And let me just tell you, there came a time in my, in my Christian walk that I had to change my priorities. I've been, I've been following Christ. And, 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 and been a Christian. I turned my life over to God when I was 16. But then there came a time that I realized I had some faulty foundations. And I had to go back and study who Jesus Christ was. It's probably about the time I was in college. 
And I had to go back and realize, no, 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 even though I've grown up in church and everything else, Jesus, you will now be my, my foundation, nothing else. Could I ask you to take a bold step? And if you were here today, maybe you didn't plan on this, and I promise you, I will not embarrass you. No one will give you my word. But if you would say, Drew, today's, I feel like today's my day. I don't understand everything, but I'm ready for my foundation to be Jesus Christ. If that is you, would you take the bold step? No one's looking around and slip your hand up so I could see it. Is there anyone? I see that hand. I see that hand. All over. I'm ready. Thank you. Thank you. All over. Anyone else? Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to stand in a moment. I'm going to have Ben lead us in worship. I, may, I gave you my word. If you raised your hand, I wouldn't embarrass you. But what I am going to ask is this. When we're done this, with this service, I'm going to be down here, and I'm going to ask the elders of our church, if they're here, I know Mr. Eddie, Mr. Joel, and Mr. J uh, Mr. Gerald, if you're here, I'm asking them just to join me. And we're going to be here to pray with you. No one's going to embarrass you. We're just going to be here to pray with you. Because there does need, need to be that confession of th this was my day today. And we're just going to offer you some prayer and counseling and just believe with you. So please take advantage of that today. If you would stand, please. As Ben leads us in worship, I just want to invite you to talk to Jesus. Talk to Him. Let Him be your foundation today. Father God, I thank You for who You are and what You've done. God, I pray that You would be honored through our worship because Jesus, You're it. Everything else is built upon You. Your name. Man, would you lead us? Amazing grace Sweet sound Saved a wretch Like me I once was lost But now I'm found Fine, but now I see Was grace that taught my heart to feel and grace my fears relieve how precious did that grace appeared the hour I first believed. Chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, and my Savior, His ransom. 
That's it. We don't have to make it any harder than that. Before we dismiss today, um, I'm making an unusual request, but I'm doing so out of respect for these people. Um, I'd like for us to take about two to three minutes and, and pray um, an unspoken prayer request for a family. Um, it's not me, so don't start the rumor mill. But there is a family that I know of and some of us do that's in need today, that we love. And um, I know that they would not want me to say their name, so I'm not. But as a church family, I, I do want them to know that we're lifting them up in prayer. So as unusual as it sounds, could I ask us just to lift this family up in their prayer, in prayer, please. Father God, I thank you that nothing is too hard for you. I thank you, Father, that you're the God when we can see clearly And God, that you're the God when we can't even see where to take the next step. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would right now become so tangible. I pray that you would comfort in a way these people have never been comforted before. And we stand today as a church body asking you for a miracle. Asking that you would restore. Asking that you would bring back to life and health. And I'm asking, Father God, for every single ounce of truth in Romans 8.28 that somehow, some way, you will work good out of this. Pray for this family and let them know how much they're loved. Pray for this family, God, that you would wrap them in a special grace today. And for the long road for, of recovery, Lord, I know how much we love them. And I know that's only a fraction of how much you do. In your name. Amen. If you raised your hand, that you're ready to make Jesus the foundation, would you please not keep it to yourself? Come see me. I said we'll have a couple of the elders up here. We just want to pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you. If you'll do me a favor for those who are leaving, I know we've got the church picnic. We're going to be heading out. If you would like to grab a barbecue sandwich, head out to the right, and then you'll see the breezeway. We'll set up there. We're going to have a great time. I'd love for you to join us. But if you'll do me one favor for the people who will come up front, if you would maybe leave with just a little bit of reverence, because there are some people who I know are going to come, and Jesus Christ has changed their life today. I hope you have an incredibly restful and wonderful Memorial Day weekend. God bless you.